I'm Allison Knowlton Mason. I'm Stanley Bradley, and we're friends turned family, getting together to tell stories, laugh, observe, and think. This is the Framley Meeting. This is part two of a longer conversation we have with Natasha about memory. If you missed it, go back and listen to it before listening to this episode. So this question, I feel like, really goes into what we were just talking about. So I'd say, if they are different, what are your important memories? Because I feel like some what you've been sharing, the things that stay with you, are important things to remember to like, like let yourself understand clearly that you can do the things that people say you couldn't. But again, if they are different, what are your important memories? So those memories are, I feel like in my mind, I don't rank them as important because like, even though they inform the way I operate, I wish, first of all, I just wish they didn't, they didn't happen and this wasn't true, but they're more like reminders. I, I, maybe like important reminders. I don't know, maybe not important. Mm. I'm still thinking about what that term is, but it's more of a reminder than like an important memory for me for some reason. Um, but related to what I was sharing earlier that when these were going on, I had support systems. Those are the important memories to me. So when people show me who they are and then where I fit into their lives, that's really important to me. And as I mentioned earlier with my neurological Lyme and all of those things, I forget a lot of things. And part of that is that I sometimes feel like I forget who I am um, because so much of the way I understand people or understand myself is based on like experiences and examples of demonstration of character or, you know, so on and so forth. And if I, and when I forget about experiences that I've had where I feel like I demonstrated my character to myself and I forget those, I forget who I am. And so I rely so heavily on kind of like a collective memory. My family um, keep remind me of who I am often because I really do forget what it, I mean, I think there's, yeah. And so a big example of that is like a couple years ago when I, I, I had a, a different illness, but I needed funds for a surgery that I needed to, um, that was bordering on like a life saving situation. Um, I really needed the surgery. It was very expensive. I had to fly out to Colorado to a specialty clinic for it. And, uh, I had been dealing with this illness for quite a few years and try to walk alone in it. Like in, and you know, I, uh, even though I mentioned I had this experience when I was two and I remember all these things when it comes to practice of like including people into my struggles, that's really difficult for me. So I was trying to walk this pretty alone. I was keeping people slightly abreast, but not the nitty gritty. Um, and then essentially I just got so ill that I started having to tell people really what was going on. And so I needed funds. And one of my close friends, one of my family members, she created a GoFundMe for me. And she did it when she ended up coming with me to, to my first round of treatment in Colorado. And I was like hopped up on uh, anesthetics and I had like all these procedures. And she's like, again, like, this is why my family, they know me a little bit too well sometimes. She knew when to ask. She waits till I was like incoherent and in pain and just like on the sofa drinking kitchen, like uh, uh, chicken soup. And she was like, you know, I think that we could help you. We can create this GoFundMe. I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And I went and had a procedure, came out. When I came out of the procedure, she had finished the GoFundMe and posted it. Cause she was like, I knew once you came back to coherency, you would say no. <laughs> and so it's too late. It's already posted. I said to like all these people, it was done. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But at the same time, this started this, it really made me start, start having to share what was going on with people. Um, and 
I knew who people were, I guess, but I was afraid that if they, if I needed more help or if I, um, you know, also now have all these disabilities or these things that, that would change how people interacted with me. And so during this period of time, you know, prior to the GoFundMe, during all these procedures, my surgeries, the time of recovery up until now, a lot of people in my family have just solidified for me who they are and how they'll show up for me. And so those memories are really, really crucial to me. And I hold on to them very closely, both for great things and for not so great things. And people show me who they are. It's really difficult for, difficult for me to forget, which, you know, when I was listening to the episode last week and um, you all are talking about like interacting with differences. I'm not going to do a terrible job of reiterating what that conversation was, but it was like recalibrating relationships. And I was like, oh, because I'm quick to be like, oh, you just showed me who you were. I can't trust you. So now you have to go forever, like <laughs> forever. But it's because like, well, I should say I should work on that. But I think at this moment, it's because I rely so heavily on my community to remember who I am and remind me of who I am that I'm like, if I have someone around me who's not trustworthy and they're telling me things that aren't accurate, I'm going to believe them. Like, I'm going to be like, that must be who I am. And there must be an experience that showed them this side of me that I don't remember. And then it throws me off. And so th those memories of what people really demonstrate to me, like where I fit into their lives stick, stick very, are so important to me. I mean, that's true, right? Yeah. Because when you're depending on other people, you need for them to be trustworthy. Yeah. And you, and you can't always recalibrate that. Yeah. I mean, I will say like, I think that, you know, personally, I've, I've never heard you say that exactly like that before. And, um, two things stuck out to me. It's like what you said, when people show you where you fit into their life. And I think, you know, we talked about this in the very first episode about family and about cadence and about how, you know, people may not fit into your life exactly the way that you want them to, but like, you know, there's like a, a middle ground that you have to come to with people, but there's, like you said, like this idea that like, you know, there's some work that has to be done there on both sides to make space for each other. And when people consistently show you a thing, you're like, okay, like, you know, if we're gonna do the halfway work to get to the middle, then that's one thing. But it's like, if you're consistently having to go past halfway, if you're consistently like having to like push into people's lives, that is a very, very telling thing. Yeah. And it's like a, a good quick litmus test for how to determine who to keep in your family and who not. Um, so that really stuck with me. Um, and then again, personally, like it, I am grateful that, you know, like, like she said at the beginning, um, Natasha is my friend T, um, sometimes more friend than like, sometimes the it's tea. more friend <laughs> than T or, or our mentor mentee relationship kind of flexes with our friendship. But like, I would say like, I am grateful that you let me speak into your life in, in ways that you do. So I think, you know, I'm almost exactly 10 years older than you. Again, to your point of like hanging out with people who are older than you. And we've seen so many times how our lives are like parallel. Like there's so many lessons that I've gone through that like, as you explain something, I'm like, I have the exact thing to say to that. Oh, right. Wow. And I'm like, I know exactly, I, very likely I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, I, I almost exactly think I know exactly what she's feeling right now. I know what I would want someone to have told me when I was sitting there in that spot 10 years ago. And so 
you know, I don't take for granted that you let me speak into your life, that you let me pass those lessons along to you and that you take them and consider them. Not that you are like, I will do exactly what Allison tells me I'm a robot or anything like that, but that you literally are just like, yeah. You know, like there are times when you, you text me just to tell me something as like a friend. And then I come back with some old like mentor, like here's what you need to do. You're thinking about that the wrong way, blah, 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 blah. Here's a life lesson for, for the day. And then I'll be like, I'm so sorry. That is not what you wrote to me for. But I always, re- like you receive that so well. And so I just like, I mean, I've always said everybody should find themselves in Natasha. Like go out and like be to somebody what you needed at a certain point. But then, but then also I will say like, you give me so much too. So sometimes I feel yeah. like it really is like a true back and forth. So I think the, that but was I think just the, emotional for no reason. So, sorry. No, but I think that, but A, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you're remembering as she's going through, you're remembering going through, right? right. Memory, right? And what's the point of memory if not, mm-hmm. again, to use it in service of others? Mm-hmm. So like, it makes perfect sense that that would come now. And also I'm thinking about your whole mentee, friendee kind of thing, which is the perfect word. Because mm-hmm. I think that when you truly develop that mentor, mentee relationship, it also becomes just a deeper friendship mm-hmm. because ultimately what it is, is it's someone, it's just a friendship probably with just, with a, with a different amount of knowledge, you know, at its core, but ultimately it's a friendship. It's like, yeah. I mean, I really this, see yeah. it like, especially, like I said, cause we're almost exactly 10 years apart. Um, and I just feel like I'm just further down the road. Like I'm like, yeah. you know, we're like, walking this a very similar road and we've come to a lot of the sim a lot of similar junctures and I'm like oh no like go left I'm like come come left like <laughs> I hun- understand why right looks tempting go left <laughs> I promise it's the way to go <laughs> so um well I was yeah. just gonna say um if I could say without getting emotional because for some reason that just triggered all the little tear ducts <laughs> anyway but I recall, uh, so one of the memories that I have with Allison in this regard of like people telling me where I fit into their lives. So I had gone to your, your house for something. I don't know. I think I just went to say hi. And you'd ask me something like how I was doing. And I answered how I would normally answer. And then you gave me like a very loving scolding where you were like, you're not telling me anything. Like you are allegedly going through things and you're not telling me. So how are we supposed to be like of help to you? This is before the GoFundMe and before like I was forced in a, in the best way ever because we became so like public, but before I was really forced to be vulnerable with a lot of people about this. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, someone can see through it because I've always <laughs> been good at saying a lot and saying nothing. That's one of my talents. And so people normally don't realize that I'm not really saying anything that's that deep. Boy, Allison cut me sharp. I was about, I was like actually on the way out, I think. Ever Lance, Lance turned and was like, Allison. And she was like, no. And you were like, no, like she's she's not saying anything to me and I'm gonna tell her. Like, and you're like, if that's what you you say something like, you know, if that's what you want to do, then like, okay, but like that's not the relationship I thought that, you know, something. And I was like, oh. I just sat back. I was like walking out. I think I was like, I think Lance goodbye. And I just turned around and, and sat right back down on the chair. And I was like, hey, I'm sick. But like, but I remember that very clearly because in some ways, like I wanted people to be there for me, but I was too afraid to tell them what I, what I was really going on and potentially what I needed. And in the ways that 
Allison has been vulnerable and sharing about, particularly in a lot of those that she said, like literally, I feel like I'm like walking right behind her. Like there's like sand and she's taking the footsteps. I'm, I'm just stepping in each of the, <laughs> the footprints. I love it. But the vulnerability that Allison has shared with me about the, the things that she's been through or like, oh, you know, I remember when I went through that and here's the full story, like unfiltered of what I went through, how I felt, what happened, the decisions I made, what I learned from it. And then here's my suggestions for you. Like that has helped me so much in learning how to be vulnerable with people and really share what's going on and not just saying a lot and saying nothing all at the same time. And like, because it's been such a positive experience with her of me learning to be more vulnerable after that conversation and through seeing her do it, um, I've been more comfortable doing that with my other friends, even people I've known much longer than, than I've known Allison. Like I've been like, let me see if I share this thing that's deeper and a little bit darker, what they'll say. And I'm like, oh, Allison was right. If I just tell people <laughs> that they can, they, they, you know, like, you know, this is the nature of the relationship that they thought we had. And I just wasn't living up to, to the agreement. Um, so I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. Well, I'll say I learned that skill of weeding through words. I, I dated a guy who used to say a lot of words and I would be like, and I bought it for a while. And then I was like, did he say anything? And I was like, he said a bunch of words. I don't know what any of that means. So I learned how to both do that and dig through it. that to, to not. To, so I'm also good at saying all sorts of things that just fill up sound and then people who aren't paying, paying attention don't notice. Um, but you but, also have an intuitiveness about when mm-hmm. people are not being honest with you mm-hmm. that, that I've, I mean, that I've known since I've known you, right? Like that, that's like, like one of the things that's just intuitive about you anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Cosine. I have to, I have to use it on you sometimes too. Yeah. yeah. You're hiding that's, from people. That's why I'm smiling. Cause that's why I'm smiling. <laughs> if you're on Spotify, I was smiling through that whole thing. Cause I was like, yeah, she's done that to me too, Natasha. That's why we're bonding. <laughs> That's why everybody, I think we probably all like the whole family probably has that experience where she's been like, let me take out this knife real quick. Make sure you're there. I'm, I'm not like, a- don't, don't have, don't, don't try to fast talk me. Don't try to fast talk me. If you if you, if the answer is Allison, I don't feel like telling you, then start with that. Be like, Allison, I don't feel like telling you what's going on with me. Just say that. And then I'll leave you alone. But if you're like, I'm, oh yeah, look, it's the sky. I'll be like, what are you hiding? <laughs> Why are you hiding things from me? Don't do that. Um, okay. So let's go on to some of the new questions um, for all of us. And this conversation has gotten all good and juicy, but it's long. So let's try to be brief. <laughs> I'll be brief. <laughs> um, and this is a good one. And I will give credit. Stan wrote this question. This is such a good question. Is there one memory or story that informs how you live or operate now? Stan, why don't you start? I'll start because I'm, I think about, I don't know if it, well, I guess it does because it probably influenced my career trajectory in a way that I didn't think it would. But I remember being like, so in high school, I took French and I love French. And so like as a senior in French four, we got to go tutor these little elementary school kids. And by tutor, we taught them like, the French word for school and stuff like that. Like it was <laughs> just this fun little thing. But I remember the um, the teacher whose classroom we were in, cause we did it like once every week for a semester. And I remember the teacher telling me like, you should be a teacher. 
you'll be good at being a teacher. And I immediately dismissed it, like out of hand, like, like no way, like teachers don't make money. Like everybody's mm-hmm. like at this, you know, you know, like really. And at this point, like people are telling me, you know, you're good at math, you're good at science. I was good at school in particular. And I kind of had the opposite experience from you, Natasha. Like people encouraged me sometimes to do things that I feel like probably weren't my gift, but because I was good at that, like I got the opposite. I got the encouragement. I was a black kid where they were always like, here, you should do this black kid here. Oh, we need a black kid. There's Stan, he's gonna do it. And which was fine because it gave me a lot of opportunity. So like I said, that was senior year of high school. I majored in something not education at all. Went to grad school in something that was not education. What did I end up doing? Teach for America. And as soon as I like got my placement, I thought about this lady and I was like, she was right. <laughs> like in, in the story is she was right. And sometimes like for me, that memory means sometimes you have to, you, you have to be open to those words from people you don't, who are not necessarily close to you, but you always have to be open and listening and receptive to what, to a word that you may not want to hear. And you may dodge it, but if it's if it's for you, it's gonna come back to you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I will go next just because literally, and we didn't even plan this. Mine is the same lesson. It is hearing things from people who you're not, you know, who are not part of your family necessarily, right? So I was at worked at Institute, I worked at many, many, many institutes, if you know anything <laughs> about me. Um, often conscripting people to come back to Florida <laughs> to work at institutes. Um, but at the 2009 Atlanta Institute, I worked for Lanisha, who is like just a boss. If you, in the Teach for America world, you know Lanisha, she's a boss. Mm-hmm. She was my manager a couple of years. Um, and she, and so <clears throat> this was back before I would have ever said that I was like good at communication. Um, and I think I have always been fine with words or writing or whatever, but now I, you know, I feel like I'm good at communication. And I was, when I was prepping at this, I was like, I think this is why. So one thing that she said, like whenever I would, something would happen and I would be emotional about the thing, right? Somebody would not give me the information in time. I would be scrambling. So I would be angry because I'm trying to like maintain a certain bar of excellence. Somebody's mess, somebody else's slip up has now created a panic for me or whatever. And so I would be angry. I'd be like, I, let my face get away from me sometimes I'm glaring at people or, you know, using rude body language. And whenever that would happen, like Lanisha might give me feedback about that. I would like go to the person and be like, hi, I just wanted to like apologize for that, blah, blah, blah. Right. Which we can say whether or not I should have done that. But the feedback was always like stuff happens. You get emotional. You like are sometimes rude to people because of those emotions. And then you apologize really well and clean things up really well. But what Lanisha said to me was, she was like, you're really good at apologies. She's like, do less things you have to apologize for. Oh. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, I was like, and then she explained and she's like, so here's the thing. She's like, something happens. You have an instinctual reaction. Like somebody upsets you, somebody does whatever. She's like, eventually you get to a thoughtful response. She's like, I, what I want you to work on doing is shortening the space between your instinctual response and your thoughtful response. And I, but those two pieces of feedback, do less things you have to apologize for 
and shorten the time between your instinctual response and your thoughtful response. I like watched myself over the years, shorten that time. Like every summer I felt like I could, I was like that, that window is smaller and smaller until now. I really feel like outwardly, you don't ever see the instinctual response. Lance will see the instinctual response because I might come home and be like, let me tell you. And I start grabbing air like all black women in the in the world. And but man, that one piece, those two pieces of advice she gave me, I think they were in the same conversation. It was like she punched me in the chest. She was like, your apologies are cute. Use them less. And I was like, oh. And so I feel like my ability to be faced with something hard and still give a measured thoughtful response in that moment is I think hinges almost directly on that, that conversation. Ooh. Wow. That was something. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Lanisha, Lanisha. Yes. Yes. So if you're I, listening and you know, Lanisha, you know that that was not out of character in any way. No, it was not. <laughs> but yeah, do less things you have to apologize for. I was like, because mm. I always thought a nice apology did the trick. I was like, I can just be myself and then just apologize later. And people, you know, it's vulnerable people. And I'm like, no, she's like, just do less things you have to apologize for. I was like, okay. <laughs> so what about you, Natasha? <laughs> <laughs> well, on brand for this conversation, mine's also tied to Teach for America. <laughs> like a promo video right now. Um, <laughs> Um, but mine was being contacted by the teacher America recruited, recruited, recruiter, my sophomore year of college. I had gone into college being pre-pharmacy and then I took one chemistry course and that was gone. Um, <laughs> and I, so throughout life, I'd always volunteered. My mom used to take me to volunteering when I was little. Then, you know, in high school, I would sign up for things myself. I was always volunteering with kids and then even my peers, things like that. But the Teacher America recruiter contacted me and we talked through like what the Teacher America mission was and so on and so forth. And then he said, Let, you know, let's talk through some of the experience that you have. And I was like, well, I've never worked. I've just been swimming this whole time um, as my full-time job, but I've volunteered. And I realized in that conversation after that, all these things I was just doing for fun, like working with teenagers, volunteering with kids, like being in the community was actually my passion. I just thought it was just like a fun things that I just found fun. And I was like, oh, that's like actually my passion. I can actually do a career in this. And that was like a really defining moment for me. Cause then when I sat down to create the resume for like the teacher market application um, and I put down just all the things I did for fun, I had like two, two and a half pages of things that of a resume of volunteering that I'd done that was really meaningful. So um, I just, I think for me, it, it, it was a moment of realizing that even though I may not always see the path of life, if I continue following my passions, following things I desire to do, um, they're, they're like laying bricks down this path and I'll eventually get to the next stop, wherever that is. Um, so like, you know, with, with that Teach for America meeting, eventually doing Teach for America, um, I don't think that necessarily being a teacher is what I was supposed to do for the rest of my life, but working in the community with kids in some capacity, like that was really crucial. And I'm, I continue to do that to this day. So um, so yeah, that was, that was my moment. Look at us. <laughs> Recruiting for Teach for America. Oh, no. Maybe. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've talked about a lot of different types of memories. Um, 
So, and I think some of them, like we've talked about, Hank, are in your body. Some of them are in your mind. But do each of you have any sort of process for capturing memories, memories or stories? And that would be to either like make sure that they're accurate memories or just to capture kind of like the emotion of it. I would say, I don't know if I have a process. I'll be perfectly transparent. I don't think I have a process. I think what does help for me in being someone who people says have a pretty good memory is that most of my memories are tied to actions and events. So like I remember a particular event and then that's what triggers the rest of the memory, right? So yeah, like just thinking about like, yeah, just think about like stuff when I'm younger, like remembering picking like shell shucking, like take the one thing, like remembering taking my grandfather to church. Like that's because it's something that I did on a, like that's the event. And then just like remembering him, him being in the car and sometimes going to church with him and his church being like this small congregation, really different from mine. And remember sitting and being sitting in the congregation and being like, okay, this is kind of simple. This is, but also that time like bonding with him and, you know, hearing him talk. And that's when he would tell me stories about pre-civil rights Alabama and about how mm. he quit, yeah, about how he quit his job when the white man tried to call him boy. Mind you, this is Whoa. like, and then, yeah, yeah, the white man, like, and this is like, when I say pre, this is like 1950s, 1940s Alabama. And my grandfather was like overseer for this, like, for like, essentially like the plantation. It wasn't called a plantation then, but you know, they had sharecropped some land before they had their own. And I remember him telling the story of how the, the, so the son came home after it was a veteran, I think of World War One World War II, and he came home to take over the land, like to be like his father. His father had passed, his mother was still alive. So, but it went to the son. And while the, while he was at um, war, my grandfather was basically the head farmer, right? Like he oversaw the other people who were sharecropping, that kind of thing. But when he came back, my, and so I think he came back, the, the white man came back from the war and was planning to take over. And in some conversation, you know, the, one, the mother had pretty much deferred to my grandfather's judgment, right? And so I think in this man, in his asserting his authority, said something crazy sideways to my grandfather. My grandfather was like, well, that's what we're not about to do. Ooh. Is be sideways, you know, is, you know, and quit the job. You know, like that's a dangerous thing for a black man to do back right. in those times. But I will also say this, and I think this is why I have a different kind of view about that, is because that kind of instilled in me is that you don't always have to be a quote unquote victim of racism in that sense. Like mm. pe black people have agency and black people have always had agency and black people have used that agency we just don't hear those stories, right? Mm. Like, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that it was easy. I'm not saying that you know there weren't consequences for it. I'm not saying that he was not afraid, and I'm and I'm also not saying like he was not the only one. But the point is, is that like that's how, you know, by him telling me that story, I'm able to you know grab the lessons from those from that story, which is you know, we're not, we weren't always victims. Like we weren't all, like we didn't, we, we always fought against our oppression. Like, right? right. Like Dr. King didn't just come along 
and raise us all up. Like we've always been fighting continuously, whether mm -hmm. it's those small micro actions or big actions, like black people have continuously been fighting. And so I think that those kind of memories inform a lot of who I am. And I said wow. all that to say like, that is, you know, that's kind of how I organize my memories, right? Like, you know, like I said, riding home with him in the car, I can remember him telling me those stories, right? Because I, because I remember taking him to church. And so that's, that's kind of the way I kind of form my memories. Um, social media helps, obviously, just the way that we document everything now. But for me, it's those, it's those small actions and those small things that you do that kind of tie to a larger memory that kind of, you know, that tie to those, again, because we're, I think we all enjoy telling those stories that tie to those stories that really bring home stuff. For sure. What about you, Natasha? I know you're a storyteller, but then you also have Lyme to deal with. So how does it, how does it work for you? Yeah. So I take a lot of pictures. It's always been true for me. I have like seven or eight external drives full of pictures we have I've printed pictures and albums I take so many pictures so that's a really big part of it for me um I do scrapbooking so like I so one thing about me is I used to be like a wedding hopper I've been to I think over 40 weddings in my short life um and so I have three now I have three wedding scrapbooks it's been expanding but I keep like a program or the invitation or the save the date, like, and I take, and I print the picture and I put it in the album. So I remember like, so I keep, I keep, you know, and then also outside of weddings, I have a scrapbook just for adventures. If I go to a play, I keep the playbill. Or if I go to a, a certain movie, I keep the ticket stub and I put them in a book. It's nothing fancy. I just literally tape it in like a artist sketchbook. <laughs> but then there's times that I'll sit down and I'll be like, what did I even do this year? And I just flip through the scrapbook and I'm like, oh yeah. So I have a Polaroid too that I take pictures on the Polaroid and I'll stick it in the scrapbook um, next to whatever it is that I, I've done. And then the last thing is that like, I tell the same story like seven or eight times to my family. So everyone knows exactly what's going on. So there's been times in the past where like two different people from my family will meet up for the first time and they've all heard the exact, the exact story. Sometimes it's a work in my favor because they come for me and they start, you know, calling me out on things <laughs> at the same time. And I'm like, this is not why I made y'all meet. But <laughs> like, as I was saying before about the collective memory, like I, there's certain people in my core center and I tell them if something happens, everybody gets the story. <laughs> like, so when I forget, somebody will remind me. Um, so that, that's how I, I, and if it's something I need to like, recall a story I'll actually write down what happens there's sometimes there's been something very specific so uh, I'll say for example like a conversation that I have that was really really important I'll either take screenshots now we have these fancy phones but if it's an in-person conversation I'll literally sit at my computer and type a script of what happened and save it somewhere so I can remember because my brain is not to be trusted well, I don't have Lyme, but I feel like similarly, I just forget stuff. And so yeah, this idea yeah. of the scrapbooking thing, I love it because, you know, I am the type of person who always wants to keep a playbill too. But I think at some point, as I started moving around more, I was like, why do you have this stack of playbills? But I think if I did something with it, Listen, yeah. it would feel more meaningful. So I'm like, that's a, maybe that's a lesson for me to take. But um, I'm like you, I'm a, I, I write stuff down less so recently I think um I've been journaling since I was little like when it would just be like a regular little blind notebook thing the kind you get from like CVS um to all manner of little 
cutesy little journals and things. I've never liked small paper though. So the little ones with the lock and the little tiny key always used to get on my nerves. Um, but yes, <laughs> Allison with the tiny uh, notebook. I'm like, I'm picturing a baby Allison being frustrated about the structure of a notebook and it's so on brand. <laughs> it is. I was like, I can't stand. People would always be like, oh, I got you a notebook. I was like, is this five and a half by eight and a half? I was like, mm, yeah, no. I like eight, eight by 10 paper is the smallest paper I like to write on. Thank you so much. Um, so like none of my journals were cute. Like they were, I remember, I distinctly remember I had a yet just a yellow one, you know, like the little cheapy ones you get mm-hmm. with the silver coil that thing rode with me for years. And I used to keep them between my mattress and the box spring. Very clever, super clever place <laughs> to put it. Um, and then I had, then I, you know, as a grown up, I've gotten like sexier ones, but anyway, so I'm a journaler. I, um, write down big stuff. And then what I found recently is that usually when I go to journal, I get caught up reading and then I go down memory lane and then I, I get tired and then I don't write it down. <laughs> so maybe I'll like of the last couple Oh, some years of entries have just been bullets because I like start reading and then I'm like, I got to write this down. So I'm like, all right, you're not getting pros. And I, I address the journal as a person. <laughs> like I speak to it as though it is. I'm like, you're not getting pros today. You're getting bullets. Maybe next time you can get a whole story. And then I just write down bullets. It's just odd. Um, <laughs> and then like Stan, social, social media is a good reference point. Um, and then again, I don't think I have anything original to say here, but telling stories. And I feel like there are like, one thing I love is like stories that exist inside of a family that get told over and over again. Um, it's one of my favorite things. And like, you know, we have some like, San and I used to be part of a group when we first were living in Atlanta where we would do game nights every month. And so we have all these stories from game nights that we would just every game night, like repeat some of the same stories and now, like, if you're on YouTube, you can see Stan is, like, giggling. Because I, I know you're thinking of, like, several of these I'm things. I think, like, catchphrases already. Yes, yes. So, so many little moments, which we cannot repeat, because most of them are, like, offensive or about something. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> what happens at game night stays at game night. That's exactly, exactly. Right. exactly. That's exactly right. Um, but, like, one of my favorite stories is when my cat almost got taken back from me. This is the whole one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me in my life and we tell that story a lot yeah in mixed settings <laughs> um and then pictures too for sure I you know my wedding I opted to not get a videographer which is a decision that I like I tried to have a bunch of regrets but that's closing in on regret but I'm like you know the the details of that event may slide away from me but we have like 700 pictures in the album and literally like whenever I want to remember our wedding I just look at them in order and it really feels like a video of the whole day and it was such a lovely day that it just like I fill in all the moments in between um I also have like a highlight on my Instagram of the stories that I've posted that day and so I like will go back and just watch those and so similarly photo photos are super important so and those pictures from your wedding were beautiful. Oh. That photographer, the subject of the pictures. Best. I mean, we were just did they, we not do we not get introduced just, at your wedding? I'm sorry. I'm just who? How did we not? Me and no, Natasha. No. No. Because there was no formal yeah. like yeah. structure to do that. And, yeah. and we hadn't started the podcast then, so she didn't really yeah, know, didn't know who I was. Yeah. Yeah. But we were there together. So we're, we're going to include that as part of our origin story. 
we were both there. We were both there. We didn't know it yet, but we were both there together. Natasha, do you remember Stan did part of a reading? I remember there were people reading. Yes. Do <laughs> I remember one of the guys? It was Stan? I do I was, not. Yeah, he was I one was, of the guys. I was. Oh, I can't say I was the black one because Eric read too. <laughs> <laughs> so I was. Try, I was going to try to help you out, but clearly <laughs> that that was a fail. <sighs> okay. Last question. Um, how have your memories changed based on context? Which is another great question, Stan. Well done. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, so for me, this, and it's kind of going back to Natasha's conversations a little bit about schooling. Like I now can see some, like I can now fully state with my whole chest that my fifth grade teacher was probably racist. Oh yeah, no. Take and out I, and I probably take it out. Well, yeah, you know, she was racist. And the reason I can remember <laughs> this is because I just remember her, like, I, again, I was that kid. I loved school and school loved me like teachers love me like they're like oh you know like like I I can say it now I was a nerd I like school like I my parents never had to be like oh you got to do your homework like none of that was I didn't struggle with any of that um but what I can always remember is I can all and like you know how you have those intuitive feelings of like who likes you and who doesn't and I can just remember her not liking me like I, I know that now her not liking me and one of the things that I now can put my finger on is because I think that she felt some kind of way that one of the highest like achieving students in her classroom was the little black boy, right? Mm. Like I didn't fit into her stereotypes of who should be at the top of her class. And like, it wasn't anything, well now I'm, it wasn't any, like she never, like it wasn't to the extreme of, of your experience, Natasha, but it was definitely just little negative things, like little, little comments and the way she reacted, like when, like, oh, you got a hundred on the spelling test, like, you know, just little snide, snide comments and just, you know, you know how you can feel mm-hmm. when people are not genuine about your success. Mm-hmm. And that's that that's one of the things I can definitely, that's one of the I can I can definitely look back on those memories from elementary school and like because my whole other elementary school was great, like, right? Like teachers love me but like she definitely had I think this perception of black boys which was weird because even though I like like I said I had never experienced that like through my schooling until I got to fifth grade and fortunately didn't feel it again in my educational career which is rare probably because again I was a in a lot of ways a good student so didn't necessarily have to feel that but I definitely remember it with her and then the other thing I think about a lot is how my, um, just context, like context to a lot of your memories now, particularly for me around um, family structure and not realizing things that I took for granted, like just family structure and community, basically like the fact that I had, like I, for the longest time, this is my funny story. This is my crazy story. For the longest time, I didn't realize that collard greens, that you could get them in a can. I thought that everybody's, I thought that collard greens only came from the ground and that everybody's grandmother took them out the freezer because they had grown them themselves. Like I didn't know, like when I went, to, the first time I saw a canned collard green was when I was at college and I saw them, like you could see through to the kitchen and I saw her pour the can of greens 
into the serving tray. You know, she was getting ready to cook them. And I was appalled. I was like, what is this? Like literally, and you know, like I'm old. So we didn't have, <laughs> I'm old. We didn't have um, phones in our dorm room. So you had to use the pay phone. I think I went like, after I left the cab, I called my mother and was like, do you know that collard greens can come in a can? And she was like, yes, dad. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, how do you know this? Like, I thought everybody's grandmother grew their own vegetables and, you know, and, and froze them. And that's how you got vegetables. Like, I didn't realize, like, and I shouldn't say vegetables, collard greens particularly, and like stuff like that. Like, I also didn't realize, like, for the longest time, I thought everybody made their own jelly and stuff because that's what my grandmother did like I might have been like seven or eight when I figured that one out but I thought everybody's I thought everybody ate the jelly that their grandmother gave them you know like because <laughs> that's what we did like we got greens from granny we didn't get vegetables from the not thought like we got broccoli from the store but that's because but like tomatoes and stuff we didn't get tomatoes from the from the grocery store we got tomatoes from granny you know from picking it and so, like, just did not know that that, like, but the collard, I, I tell y'all, 100%, the collard green thing, I did not know. So that whole glory line of foods yeah. is just, was blew your whole mind. It blew my whole mind. I didn't know it. I did not know it. And still am, and still am very leery of it, quite frankly. Just offended like, by I, the whole concept. Offended by the whole concept of canned greens. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like that, that, so like, you know, like those kind of, that kind of stuff, you know, it changes over time. Like now, of course, like it's silly, mm -hmm. but that's what, that was my context. That was mm -hmm. the way I grew up. Like, I remember one of my college friends telling me, he asked me one of the, you know how you meeting people the first time? He asked me like, who do I live with? I was like, I live with my mom and dad. And apparently the way I said it, he was like, you say that like everybody does that. And you know, looking back on that now I can see how arrogant that sounded and what a position of privilege I was speaking from right mm -hmm. and you know and so like just remembering those things and kind of cringing because I'm like ooh, yeah that did kind of kind of snobby you know yeah and just you know so I mean it's I think it's more your memories you know you give them a different context once you grow and can add more layers to them yeah yeah, absolutely. And I would say for me, I, similarly, like you learn, like we talked about the sort of like big principles that you pull down from events or memories, and then you can apply them sort of retroactively. So like for me, one of the big ideas that I came away from my father's passing with is that what happens is what's supposed to happen, which is an idea that um, helps me to ground things. So when I look back, right? Like I think about painful times in my life, like, you know, some, something like a breakup, for example, right? Where you're like, you know, and, and like I've, I've said before that I was single for a long time. So the times, that big chunk of time that I was single, you look back at these breakups and you're like, ah, like what could I have done? Like, what could he have done? why didn't it work out? Why, you know, whatever dramatic, why wasn't love enough or whatever. Right. And the idea that like, what happens is what's supposed to happen is like, you're not supposed to be with that person. Like that is not your person. And 
when you're, you know, I'll say for myself, when I was still single, that was like small comfort. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm still single. That does not comfort me that that's not my person. I'm like, who is my person? And where is he? And where is he? <laughs> like, where is he? <laughs> he lives in Miami. And <laughs> in I was in Atlanta and that was part of the problem. And so even like the job that I took that got me here and even the ways I felt about that job, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I, I think about like, I was describing this, I think to my therapist where it's like, I got here, didn't love it, was doing the job that I wanted to do which was very hard, right? Which is when I pulled Natasha in, she saved me in many ways during that time. But then met a group of friends who were like a bridge across that time because I, there's a world where I would have gone back to Atlanta. Like I, I only told myself I was gonna be here for two years and two years, like I, I, I met Lance right about at two years. Mm. And had I not met that group of friends to kind of bridge me to that, cause in that, six months before two years, I could have been planning my exit and been like, I don't like it here. I'm going back to where I was happy and met this group of friends. I was like, oh no, I do like it here. It's okay. Met Lance and then was open to staying here. And so all of that happened exactly like it was supposed to, even though, you know, I might have a feeling about the group of friends. I might have a feeling about the job. Like, it's like, there's a lesson in all that. And it, lined up to be exactly how it was supposed to. And so that's something that helps me to put all of the things that happened to me in this like purpose bound structure. And it helps me to see them, <clears throat> even negative things with a little bit of a little bit more of a positive light, right? So mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that like tragic things are like positive, but they're, I'm able to see like, or even say that like something happening is like, designed to teach me something because I don't think yeah. I like that concept either but just like that is what happened it was supposed to happen and this is what I'm taking from it um that helps me a lot as I look back and at that context of things that is deep <clears throat> sorry to clear my throat after laughing sorry stand story <laughs> <laughs> sorry I did not realize um that is deep um and I'm gonna take that little nugget with me moving forward um, for, for, thank you. <laughs> um, for me, uh, looking, so thinking I've been learning more about myself in terms of, uh, recently in therapy, actually, uh, brought up attachment styles and how that affects how I like view relationships with people and, you know, certain, you know, context around things. So learning more about that, and even just in general over even before that conversation, learning more about how fear causes me to perceive situations in different ways that are not necessarily fully accurate or may not be the whole truth of the context um, of the situation, that has changed how I view my memories. So not to say that all of the memories are like completely wrong and like there's some alternate universe that I'm existing in that is not reality, but there are times I've had conversations with people where I'm like, this, this situation happened between us and this is what it meant to me. And they're like, that's not at all what I was thinking. I was just showering when you called. It wasn't because I didn't want to talk to you ever again. And I'm like, oh, you were sh showering? Why take your phone into the shower with you so you could have answered my call? Like, <laughs> that would have solved all of our problems. Um, but, but, but I, moving forward, 
I don't know that with past situations, I feel I trust my memory enough to be like, let me fully reanalyze that. Plus, I think in some circumstances, my analysis was correct. So some people need to stay where they at in terms of <laughs> relation to me. But <laughs> moving right. forward, I'm learning to ask more questions before I solidify something and as like, mm -hmm. this is a memory. I'm holding on to this forever. Like, no, ask a few more questions, get some clarity, and then you can lock it in and say, that's a memory. I can hold on to it. Yeah, which I think is like a general life truth that's important. And existing with curiosity is always helpful. Yes. Oh, I like that. Existing always. with curiosity. Ask a question. Ask a question. Even in, in shit seems blatant. Be yeah. like, is that did, what you did what? Yeah. Did what just happened just happen? And then they're like, yeah. You're like, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes, sometimes what happens doesn't happen. You could just be thinking it, That's but you right. got to ask that question. Yeah. All right. This conversation, as beautiful as it is, is mad long. I had to reapply my chapstick while we've been talking. Stan, what's up for you? What's up for me is sports, believe it or not. It is, is that it time. Is it sports time it's already? Really, it's sports oh. time. It's sports ball, ball with sports. Sporting. Sporting. No, so really like what's been up for me is the U.S. Open because I love tennis. I love watching tennis. I tried to play it once. Didn't go so well. So I just like watching it. And of course I am an Alabama football fan. So it's that time of year as well. So, but this was between the U.S. Open and Alabama football. That's what I've been doing this weekend and all this week. So that's what's up for me. Well, I was mildly prepared because Lance was on his uh, fan, uh, fantasy? fantasy football draft the other morning. Yeah. I was busy talking. He's looking at his phone and I'm like, what, what is, because I recognize the app, right? Because I know what it looks like now. And I was like, is it time already? And I was like, they should give a countdown to sports spouses. Just give me like a six week countdown where they're like, all right, it's coming. So then I can know that I can't watch things on the big TV on set on Sunday afternoons. Here's my yeah. tip, Allison. Once Starbucks announces that their fall flavors are back, it's time. Ooh. That is an excellent tip. And now, and now I'm wondering if that's what they do. That's I don't think so. <laughs> but I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like, because fall is football, fall is. Oh, you know, touche, touche. There you I go, Natasha. <laughs> Marketing genius. So I, what's your apps like, you know, order the new, whatever that's out. You're like, it's time. My TV's going to be occupied. Fan, you know, it's time. It's not a bad not idea. Ready. I'm not ready. It's fine. But you know things about football now that you didn't know. I do. And I have a Seahawks shirt now. Jersey? Or no t-shirt. Okay. Girl oh, cut. Like, it's girls cut in case we, we were supposed to go to a party where it was like a football theme. Okay. And I forget why I didn't wear it, but like he, Lance ordered it for me. Like he okay. was like, I know you like the Seahawks. I was like, I like their color palette largely. Okay. And I like that they win a lot. That, that <laughs> it helps me um, to be invested in a team that, that wins a lot. And you know, what's his name? Derrick Henry. Is that him with the stiff arm? Yeah. But is Derek, it Derrick Henry, babe? Derrick Henry doesn't play yeah, for the Derrick Henry. <laughs> he plays for the Titans, not the Seahawks. No, Derrick Henry. Who does Derrick Henry play for? The Titans. Oh, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the good guy on the Seahawks? Not Russell, the other guy. Marshawn Lynch? 
DK Metcalf. Oh, DK that's Metcalf. That's the one that okay. I really like. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Welcome, Lance, to the family meeting. Um, <laughs> sports sports correspondent. That's right. <laughs> Natasha, what's up for you? Um, for me, what's up for me is there's this uh, person who reviews restaurants. I, I see her on Twitter. I know she's a YouTube too. It is like when I tell you, okay, you'll believe me because if you watch the YouTube, you'll see that I wipe tears easily. When I tell you I'll wipe tears in these, these little YouTube videos. Oh my gosh. She just, she just goes, it's her name on Twitter is K hood. Um, and she goes around these restaurants. I think she's based in Atlanta and she'll review these restaurants and she'll have me weeping. So if you just need like four minutes and a break to just laugh at something, go to K hood on Twitter. She's at roll it up K. And I think she's like a YouTube page as well, but oh my gosh, y'all, y'all, I can't tell you. She starts every video with like her clothes and she does something like, what is it? It's like fit check, fit check, make you on your bitch sweat. I think, <laughs> I think, I think I've seen this girl and I know exactly who you're talking about. And it is hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. And just when, as soon as I hear that, I feel like this joy starts in me. Like once I hear that, you know, like how like they show those videos of babies and they hear Coco Melon intro theme and they come running. I hear fit check, fit check, make you a bitch sweat. And I come running like, <laughs> yay, it's time. So that check out K-Hood. What's up it, for you, Allison? Um, I don't have anything quite that good. Um, I have been just working really hard the last month. Um, and so Lance and I just took a little weekend off. Like we just got back right before we recorded this. Um, and so the only thing that's really up for me is like reflecting on that. I mean, obviously we're back recording. I got to edit and all that stuff. So work is back, but we went to this really, really cool Airbnb South of the city, like, you know, like 45, 50 minutes away. And it is a tiny house inside. And this is how, you know, we really like each other. Cause whenever we go to Airbnbs, they're always like less square footage than we have in our apartment. That's evidence. Um, <laughs> but it was in, it, it's a tiny house on this property that is like a 2.5 acre Zen garden that has like these beautiful, like little places to sit with like cushions and curtains and then running water all around because there's koi ponds just kind of like spotted all throughout the property. Um, and so we just had a really chill weekend in town because I also, also didn't want to, have to drive anywhere. And it was just lovely yesterday. It, it rained yesterday, so we didn't get to be outside for too long, but we just laid out in this beautiful garden and read books. And then, and we played some cards and we watched Toy Story 4. <laughs> what dirt while it was raining and it was just a delight so I'm trying to build more balance practices into my life get more time away from my computer spend a little time outside every day and that this was a big part of it so that's what's up for me this week love that it, it sounds great yeah all right so Natasha having you was a delight delightful and I'm so happy you, should... you two got to meet Kind of. you should, I'm going to recommend that you watch this on YouTube probably because I yes. feel like our facial expressions <laughs> and the copious amounts of laughter <laughs> might come off a little bit better than they do on that's right audio that's right so yes it okay. has been an absolute delight having you on um my you know my friend T she's great she and like awesome. Stan said you guys definitely watch it 
So how can people work with you or get in touch with you? You can email me at natashadmoody at gmail.com. Um, I don't use social media really. And my Twitter is just for lurking and laughing. So I cannot <laughs> share that with you, but you can email me and I will respond. All right. Well, thank you so much again. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Bye. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from Lilacs on York Creative Studios. The Family Meeting is produced by me and Allison. Our theme song is by Will Salua, and it is entitled 135th and Coffee. You can find the show notes on what we discussed, including links posted in the blog section on lilacsonyork.com. And you can keep up with the show on Instagram at Lilacs on York and on Twitter at The Framley Meeting. You can also now watch us have these conversations on the Lilacs on York channel on YouTube. You can find me on social at Allison K. Mason on IG and Twitter, even though I do not tweet. You can find me on social at Twice11 on IG and Twitter, even though I do not post on IG. Thanks for listening. Meet you here next week. <laughs>